Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeak, you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. We are here to help you take on projects that you want to get done around your house. If you have a fix-up to do, if you've got a repair to make, you're tackling some remodel, or maybe you want to plan for a decor project, whatever's on your to-do list can be slid right on over to ours when you reach out with your how-to questions. And how to do that is simply to go to moneypit.com slash ask, click the blue microphone button, which you'll find pretty much on every page, and then post your question to us. Coming up on today's show, DIY or get a guy or get a gal. If you want to tackle a project yourself, we'll be the first ones to cheer you on. But how do you know when hiring a pro is the best way to go? We're going to tell you how to think through it all before you pick up a hammer and get yourself in a jam. All right, and you drink it, you cook with it, you bathe in it, but are you sure that it's safe? You know, tap water can be deceiving because it looks and tastes harmless even when it's not, which is why it's a good idea to test it to find out. So we're going to tell you how. And also ahead, it may still be warm outside, but colder weather is not far off, making now the perfect time to check out your insulation. We're going to tell you how to determine how much insulation you really need. That's right. But first, do you love your home, but sometimes you feel like it's an endless pit that you're throwing money into for home improvements and repairs? Listen, we get it. And we can help. So let us know what your plans are. What are you working on? What are some of the projects you want to tackle? Maybe you don't have to tackle them all at once. Maybe you can do them in baby steps. Let us help you figure out the best way to do these projects effectively and economically. So call us. Reach out right now. The number here is 1-888-MONEYPIT. That's 888-666-3974. Or better yet, post your questions to moneypit.com slash ask for the fastest possible response. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Sherry in Texas is on the line with a question about a rusty washing machine. How can we help? I am. I moved into a condo about a year ago, and it came with a washer and dryer. The washing machine is a Kenmore Elite top loader, and it has a liquid bleach dispenser in the top area on the left-hand side. Well, clearly it looks to me as though when you pour the bleach in, it must be eating from the inside out because right. it's rusted. And I, I don't know what to do, if I can do anything about it. So I thought I would give you a call and see what you think. How old is this washing machine? Well, I'm not 100% sure. I moved in a year ago. It's got to be maybe, you know, three, four years um, at least. If it's, you know, less than five, it probably should have, you know, some number of years left on it. It's probably worth fixing. The nice thing about Kenmore machines is they're very, very good with repair parts. So there's a good chance you can find repair parts to replace whatever is rusted out. 
The downside is, of course, this is really not a do-it-yourself project unless you're super handy. So you're going to have to have an appliance repair <laughs> pro, you know, do the work for you. But I would say that if it's a young appliance like that, then it's probably worth it. If it's, if it's, you know, uh, an older appliance or one that's, you know, pretty economically inexpensive appliance, then you might just kind of want to live with it as long as you can and then replace it. You know, Speed Queen is, is, uh, is a brand that we've been recommending a lot the last few months because they kind of blew us away with the fact that these machines are, are, are tested to 10,400 cycles, which is 25 years of, of normal use. So if you decide to get a new one, take a look at that brand. Okay. Okay. So best bet is to contact Kenmore and see what they can offer me or ha- help me out with. Any repair person will have access to those parts okay. and know how to get those parts as well. You don't necessarily have to work through Sears. Okay. 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 Well, thank you. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Ed in Delaware is on the line with an insulation question. How can we help you today? I've got a house built at about 1950. Uh, it's masonry uh, brick. Uh, and there's about a one-inch air gap between the inner uh, part of the masonry and the drywall. Uh, no insulation, obviously. I want to insulate that. But I have a couple of questions uh, around it. Uh, one would be, since it's a true masonry house, it's not bricks over a stud frame, it's brick. Right. Um the joists rest in pockets in the brick. If I put insulation around there, am I going to have rot problems uh, on the end of the joists? Um, How are you going to insulate the wall? Uh, with a low-pressure uh, foam. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, I, or such was my thought. Yeah. It's very rough in there, so I, I don't mm-hmm. think I can do any kind of blown-in insulation. Right. Yeah, you don't have a lot of space. i, I got to tell you that typically, believe it or not, those spaces are not insulated where you have that just very narrow space in, in, in a brick wall. And what folks typically concentrate on would be insulating the attic extra 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 well, so to speak. I mean, having 15 to 20, 25 inches of, attic, of insulation in the attic is actually far more effective because that's where most of the heat loss occurs. To your original question, whether that will contribute to any degradation of the joists that are sitting in pockets, I doubt it. Um, but I just don't think you're going to get much of a return by trying to insulate that space because you don't have that much cavity to insulate, it means the amount of R value you're going to get in there is going to be pretty small to begin with. That's true. Part of the issue, and I can solve this by sealing the basement and and the attic, which I haven't gotten completed yet, is that there's literally a breeze that blows up and down there depending on the direction that the wind blows. So at the very least, I want to close that off so I don't get air infiltration, for example, uh, through the few plugs that are in the outer wall. That makes sense. I think that's a good idea. But, but I was thinking, even if I can only get an inch in there, that's an inch versus nothing. If they're not rotting now, I don't think it's going to happen when you insulate it. You're not going to be you know, doing anything that's going to contribute to adding moisture there. I just think that if you were to seal those drafts from below and focus on insulating in the attic the areas you can get to, I, I don't feel like you're going to get a lot of return from what's left, which is just this very narrow space in that, in that exterior wall. It's solid masonry otherwise. Okay. So why not do it in stages? Why not just do the yeah. seal, the, seal the drafts first and see what happens? Because the hardest part of this is obviously getting into that wall. But if you seal the drafts and you find out that uh, maybe you don't have such an issue anymore, you would have saved yourself a lot of aggravation. Well, that that is true, particularly since the wall is open at each joist. So I'd have to cut into the right, ceiling exactly. and seal that anyway. Otyway, otherwise, I would be insulating the floor, which right. does That's make a lot of work. Sense. So I, I would 
hit it in stages and, and see what the result is. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Hey guys, if you've heard a helpful tip or two while listening to our show, please help us help even more home improvers by dropping us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That would be awesome. And you might even win a copy of our book, My Home, My Money Pit, your guide to every home improvement adventure. Just go to moneypit.com slash review. Margaret, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Yes, I'd like to know what I can do about my popcorn ceilings. They're getting dirty. They're 20 years old. Well, there's a couple of solutions. Do you like them and want to keep them, or you just want them to not look so dingy? Um, I would not rather, I would not like to keep them no more. All right. Well, generally with popcorn ceiling, if it's truly a popcorn ceiling and not like a texturized stucco, what you can do to remove it is you can get like, you know, one of those garden sprayers or like, you know, those light duty paint sprayers, put water in it. And you spray the ceiling to sort of saturate the popcorn. And then you take a wide spackle blade, like a as wide as the one you can find. And you sort of gently start peeling away at the popcorn ceiling, at the popcorn texture, I should say, from the ceiling. And that generally does a pretty good job. Because if you've ever tried to paint it, if you don't have the right roller, when it gets wet, it starts to peel away from the ceiling. So by getting it wet, you're being able to remove it. You just want to make sure with your blade or your scraper that you're not digging into the drywall below it because keep in mind, whatever's left underneath there is what you're going to paint and then see. Okay. Uh, How do I go about cleaning if I decide to just go ahead and keep this? Well, you wouldn't clean it. You would paint over it. Oh, no. (laughs) No. Yeah. There's actually a special roller for that. It's like a slitted roller. It's a very thick roller that's got slits in it. And it's designed to uh, squeeze the paint into that popcorn area. And that's exactly what I would do with it. I would paint it. It's going to look a lot better than cleaning it. You just can't clean that stuff. There's nothing cleanable about a popcorn ceiling. you got to paint over it. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Robert in Washington's on the line and needs some help building a retaining wall. Tell us about your project. 50 feet of retaining wall. It's tapered. It's 8 feet on the one end and 4 feet on the other. Uh, and I'm comparing, trying to compare the engineered blocks, the 1,000-pound blocks, in price to a cast in place and really haven't found any place to give me a good idea. So, Robert, I think that, you know, trying to decide between those very, very heavy retaining wall block structures and poured concrete is going to kind of be a wash. I think that the, re- that the blocks actually can be more attractive and probably a little bit less work to install. 
But also, you know, there are other options. You could build wood retaining walls that can be structurally very, very sound if they're done right. And you could use smaller, lighter weight blocks, um, landscaping bricks that, again, you know, they're not a thousand pounds, but they're probably 75. And you can stack those up in the right way. The most important thing is really the structure of this wall and how you grade to it, because you have to make sure that you have stone behind it for drainage. You have to make sure that the soil at the top slopes away from it. Most retaining walls fall, fail, not because the, the material is wrong, but because the installation was bad. So as long as it's installed well, following the best building practices for retaining walls, you're going to have success with this. For example, with wood walls, you know, there's a technique called a, uh, a dead man, which is basically when you put um, pieces of railroad tie or six by six or eight by eight timber that go back into the retaining wall, into the dirt itself to kind of tie the wall together. So sometimes we don't see enough of those installed and that makes the walls fail. You know, with a block or, or brick, sometimes we see people build them absolutely vertical instead of tilting back into the wall so that whenever there's a frost heat, because there's not enough drainage behind it, it will push the wall, you know, and, and cause it to buckle. So the techniques that you use to build this wall are, are even more important than the selection of the material itself. So I hope we've given you some options, Robert. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, doing home projects and improvements yourself may seem more cost efficient than ever, but how do you know when to tackle home improvement projects yourself and when hiring that professional contractor is best? Well, step one, I think, Les, is to keep your eyes on the prize. I mean, before you start stocking up on tools and choosing paint colors, your first do-it-yourselfer project is really to think about the exact end result that you're going after. Now, once you do that, you can work your way back through all the knowledge, the techniques, the elbow grease involved, and doing whatever research is required to sort of fill in the blanks. Yeah, and next I think you really honestly need to assess your own abilities you've got to decide whether or not you are the best person for the job. So consider that every project requires a certain amount of preparation and a sliding scale of time to accomplish, neither of which is obvious in many popular home improvement TV shows that come around these days, and they edit all of that time, days, weeks, months, all of that hard work. I mean, they squish that down into 22 minutes, 44 minutes, whatever that show length is, and so you're not really getting a sense of how long some of these projects take. And, you know, I'm guilty of it. We did this for ages on the shows I've worked on, but we really did all that work behind the scenes. It just got compressed. So you got to think about the time. Now, once you've gone through that, it's time to actually build a budget. So before you begin that hiring search for a contractor, you want to compile the best possible estimate of potential cost. Now, this is going to take a bit of research, but it does need to be done so that you're well acquainted with what's involved and can sort of determine your financial limitations before those bids start rolling in. You also want to think about including a reserve of about 20% to cover the inevitable project surprises and additions and line up your financing accordingly. All right. Now, lastly, think about getting the help that you do need. Now, whether you're looking for a handyman or a modeling contractor to hire, personal recommendations are those from past customers they're really helpful to getting you the right match. Services like Angie can help you find those pros for all of those projects or just part of the job that you feel least prepared to go at it alone. For example, you might feel fine building the deck, but running new wiring and lighting isn't a job that you're comfortable with. So leave that part to the pro. There's so many different approaches, so really think about how you want to handle it from start to finish. Kim in North Carolina, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Well, we had trouble with wheat, and it was never a trouble before, 
but it, it, we have had trouble finding what we used to have and want to know if it is outdated or no longer safe to use for the environment. Oh, you mean your weed killer? Well, no, it's not a weed killer because we try not to put anything down in the ground other than to kill the fire ants. But your goal here is to eliminate weeds? We used to use a black plastic. The black plastic would keep the weeds gone, just literally gone. And the plants would actually flourish from the root system being gently baked, we'll use the term. But now all you can find is that thin fiber stuff almost. Well, listen, if it's worked for you in the past, I don't see why it won't work for you in the future, and certainly it is available and it's safe. And you're talking about weed block. That's a different material entirely. And, and weed block is um, you know, basically designed to cover uh, the whole surface or to be just below the surface. I mean, it will work as well, but generally with weed block, you put slits in it, and that's how the plants grow through it. They don't grow under it. Now, if you're talking about a lawn, there are other ways to deal with a massive influx of weeds. If your lawn is in really bad condition and completely like full with weeds, then I would recommend a, a kind of radical step called a Roundup Restoration, where you essentially spray the entire lawn with a Roundup product in the fall, by the way, in the fall. You spray the entire lawn, and then as that lawn starts to die out, you put seed on it, and the seed comes up through the original dead lawn, and then by next spring, you have a beautiful new green lawn without a lick of weeds in the whole place. So there's a couple of ways to approach it, but either way, I, I think, is fine. If you can identify the plastic and use it again, I see nothing wrong with doing that. If you want to use the weed block, that's fine, but you have to have cuts in it for the plants to come on, or if you just want to restore the entire lawn, then go with the Roundup Restoration. Kim, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. 
Money Pit. Howard in Texas is on the line with a brick wall that's heading for Humpty Dumpty to have a great fall. What's going on? <laughs> it's leaning forward? The house is old, about 30 years old, and I assume the retaining wall is probably similar in length. It's a, there are two walls. There's one about six bricks high and then a three-foot deep flower bed, and then another brick wall, about landscaping brick wall, about four bricks high with another three feet behind that of shrubbery, no flowers. And it's, uh, yeah, it's been leaning. I noticed it last year, and, and I thought it might go away, and it's not. See, the thing is, what, what happens here is um, over time, that soil is going to fill up with water. It's going to be moist and damp, and it's going to expand and push on the wall. And that sort of ratcheting action from the frost heave, uh, the wall won't come back from that. So every season, season after season, it pushes a little more, a little more, a little more. So it's not a structural issue because it's landscaping brick, but it's eventually going to have to be replaced. Okay, so you mean tear it down and rebuild it. Now, there are other types of retaining walls that can be constructed that are designed not to lean. For example, there are different types of, uh, of block wall, fancy block wall, like precast concrete block walls that um, go together like puzzle pieces, one on top of another, that sort of lean back as you go because you stack one up and the next one doesn't stick out quite as far and the next one top of that night quite as far as the one below and those are rather permanent when they're installed but just a basic brick wall like that yeah that's eventually going to lean and fall over well when i say brick it's it's probably four to five inches thick and deep yeah no i hear you well that makes sense same thing okay thank you you're welcome good luck with that project georgia in georgia is on the line with a question about windows what can we do for you well, I have a problem with windows that are leaking every time it rains. Okay. I have water intrusion and bug intrusion coming in in the corners uh, at the windowsill. And I was wondering what you might be able to suggest. Do so you have water and bugs coming in the corner of the windowsills? Uh, yes. Talk to me about um, what kind of siding do you have on your house? Is it like vinyl or aluminum or is it wood? What do you got? I have vinyl siding, and I was originally told that I'd have to buy new siding after it was taken down and the windows could be repaired. But then um, I found somebody who could remove the vinyl siding mm-hmm. but and put it back, but he didn't know how to fix the windows. Well, if the windows are leaking, they have to be sealed from the outside, and, and that would probably best be done underneath the siding. There's a, a couple of different types of flashing that they use that would make this transition. One is the head flashing, which basically goes under the siding and over the top of the window. And the second is the flashing that basically seals the sides of the window. That's particularly important in your case because it sounds like you may be getting driving rain in. And this presumes that the water is coming in around the window. You can prove that by taking a garden hose and just um, strategically sort of holding it along the side of the window and see if you could make it leak. The other place it could be coming in is between the window panes themselves, or not the window panes, but the window sashes themselves. And if, and if that's the case, then the window is defective and, and, and probably needs to be uh, replaced. Uh, and again, you could do it the same way, but now you want to move the hose to the inside portions of the window as opposed to the outside around the trim of the window. But if you do both of those tests, you ought to be able to narrow this down. But it's clearly an issue, most likely an issue with the flashing not being right under that siding and around that window. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, we're fortunate here in the United States to have some of the cleanest water in the world, but that doesn't guarantee that your water is safe. 
Now, water contamination, it can't be seen, it can't be smelled, and can't always be tasted, but it is easy to find out for sure because you can easily test your tap water. Yeah, and I would start by contacting your water provider. I mean, I'm presuming here that you're on city, city water. They're required by law to make test results available to consumers, and these reports are going to detail the results of water testing in your area. Now, even if those results come back clean, do note the testing date of the results. If it's been more than a year or so, you might want to take a few more steps to make sure your water is still okay. Now, next, you can hire an independent certified lab to test your tap periodically, and this can be done for as little as $30, and it covers threats ranging from lead to pesticides to bacteria to radon, and there's also a number of DIY kits out there, but be cautious if the free kit comes with a hard-charging salesman, that's not going to be a lot of fun, and that's really not the best way to learn what's in your water because that testing company obviously has a conflict of interest. They want to sell you something. So think about it before you get that one. Now, if a contaminant is found, you can treat the water as needed. There are a wide range of water treatment products out there in systems from something as simple as a filter pitcher to whole house systems that are installed at the main water valve where water first comes in the house and then cleans all of the water that you're using for cooking, for bathing, pretty much for everything. But do the test, find out what you're working with, and if it turns out you have contaminants, then a good water treatment company can advise you on what systems are going to work to fix any problems that were popping up. Patrick in Wyoming's on the line with a question about cracking drywall. Tell us what's going on. I have a recurring problem with cracks in the walls, and I've spackled them four or five times, and I've spread the spray rubber sealing over them, and they just keep returning. And when you're talking about cracks on the wall, do you mean like by the door, by trim work, by windows, or like smack in the middle of the wall? Uh, both. I have I have one by a front door that keeps reoccurring, and then I have one in a, a, a stairs, going down a set of stairs. Well, by the stairs is pretty typical because you get a lot of movement. Well, and, and the front door, doors, too. Yeah, a lot of movement in that space. So I, I think he's just not fixing it right, Leslie. Well, and the issue is, Patrick, whatever you do to fix them, it's not a once and for all thing because you're dealing with movement that continually over time could eventually lead to whatever you've used to fix that crack to dry out. So there's got to be a way to fix it. Yeah, the hardware store sold me this uh, rubber spray compound that's supposed to flex and give with the wall, and it, it doesn't seem to work. I just wondered, what's the best solution, paneling? No, I mean, I, I've never used a rubber spray compound, but what I have done in areas where I have a crack or any sort of seaming, instead of using a paper tape like you would do when you're putting two sheets of drywall together, I use a fiberglass tape, and it looks almost like a sticky mesh. And you use that to go over your crack, and then you put the compound over it, and feather it out, you know, try to make it smooth, and then let it dry and sand it. And you do a couple of applications of that, allowing it to super dry, sand it smooth, add another layer. And that does the trick, because that fiberglass tape that's sort of meshy looking does its best to span the crack, spread the surface over it, and makes it adhere much better than you would with a paper tape or no tape at all. And that should give you a much longer time. All right, good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Heading out to Alaska with Barb on the line, who's got a situation with woodpeckers. And I imagine living in a log home, woodpeckers probably like your house very much. Well, I don't know if there's a product that that you can help me with other than just shooting them with a good bullet. But <laughs> I'm, afraid, I'm afraid it might ricochet off the building. That'd be bad. Yeah. Yeah. 
So what have you got in your repertoire that might help me? Well, there's a couple of things that you can do, Barb. First of all, um, if you were to take, you, you basically want to scare them away, okay? So if you were to okay. take some strips, long strips of plastic that could kind of flutter in the breeze, like t- take a, like a hefty bag or a black garbage bag and cut it into like four-inch strips and, yes. and tack some of those strips around where the woodpeckers are, lo- are just loving to uh, peck, peck, peck at your house, uh, that yeah. will have a detrimental effect and help t- and hopefully break the habit of them coming back to the same spot. And the other thing that you could do is you could take some tin pie plates, do the same thing. Try to tie them in that area, let them blow around a little bit, and that will kind of freak them out too. What we found over the years is that if you can scare them uh, not to come back to the place that they're eating away at your house out, then they may be happy to go back into the woods and, and chew on the trees that are there as opposed to chewing on the trees that were used to build your build your home with. Does that make sense? Oh, that's a great idea. And sometimes I tie fishing lures on on fishing string to keep the birds from hitting the window. So maybe that would be a little bit of wind activity or maybe some windmills or something. Yeah, anything that moves around like that will deter them from coming back uh, to a visit you. Anything that's shiny uh, is particularly helpful. James in Illinois is on the line and is looking to make a fire pit at their money pit. What's going on? Oh, I just want to know what's the best way to build a fire pit in the ground. Uh, would you use fire brick or would you get those galvanized uh, rings. You know, there's a really nice fire pit kit that's on the market now at Home Depot that's made by Pavestone. It's called the Rumblestone Fire Pit Kit. I like it because it contains everything that you need. It's got the stone, which you can use to create the round fire pit itself, and then it also has a metal insert and a screen. So basically everything you need is is in the box, and you can pick it up and put it together, and they're pretty good about giving you instructions and step-by-step. Why don't you take a look at that? i got to tell you, I have a fire pit now, but if I was doing it again, I would pick up the Rumblestone round fire pit kit at Home Depot. Probably the middle ring that goes around there, how thick is it, and would it rust, and you'd have to replace it in a couple of years? I've had metal fire pits for a number of years, and I find that they're good for five or six or seven years, so I don't think it's an every-year kind of thing. And this one in particular is made of heavy steel. And what's the price of that? I think it's around 400 bucks, maybe four, 450 bucks, something like that, but it includes everything. So it's all in there, you know, the brick, the stone, the metal ring, and so on. Okay, well, thank you very much. Well, if you avoided going up in your attic all summer long because it's just a bit too toasty, you're going to need to head up there right now because now is a good time to add attic insulation. It's going to save you money throughout the fall and winter because you know what? Just like your body loses heat through your head, your home loses a lot of heat through that attic. Now, the EPA's Energy Star program recommends at least 12 inches of insulation for most homes, but if your home is in colder climates, you really need more, about 16 to 20 inches. Now, when you're shopping for insulation, you're going to see something, a number with an R in front of it, and that stands for resistance to heat loss or R value. The higher the R value, the better the insulation's ability to keep heated air from escaping, and that's going to keep you warmer in your home, and it's going to keep your energy bills down. Now, if you want to find out exactly how much insulation you should have in your part of the country, just go to energystar.gov. If you answer a couple of questions about your home's heating system and the climate you live in, Energy Star will actually help you calculate the precise level of insulation you need for your part of the nation. That tool is online, again, at energystar.gov. Judith in Arkansas is on the line and needs some help with some brickwork. What's going on? Well, we've got a little crack, and it's going up the wall, and... um 
we uh, don't know exactly what's going on. We'd like to just repair it and not re-brick the whole side of the house. Doesn't seem to be a foundation issue, and I say that because there's not any stretch cracks on the inside anywhere. So the crack that you're seeing is on the brick itself, within the brick, or in the mortar? It's it starts in the mortar, but then it crosses the brick. Is it surrounding a window? Let me look because I'm walking out here to look at it. No, <laughs> okay. there is no window on this side of the house. And you've never seen a crack? Is this brand new? Like how new are we talking? This about is here? we bought this house in 2008, right before they gave the tax the tax credit that uh, you didn't have to pay back. We got the one okay. that you had to pay back. Okay. <laughs> So it's new since 2008? Right. Look, there could be a lot of reasons that that's happening, and it doesn't necessarily mean you have a problem with your foundation. Uh, I mean, it could be a, a poor drainage condition around the house that's making it cause more movement. What I would do is, unless it's absolutely active, means it's, it's continuing to grow, I would simply seal it. I would choose a silicone sealant that would closely mimic the color of the brick and the mortar, and I would seal it because the more water you let get in there, the faster it's going to freeze and break and expand and get worse. Uh, almost all you know, brick homes and, and masonry foundations have some kind of crack in them, so it's not unusual. But I would seal it, and then I would monitor it. And if you think it's continuing to grow, at that point, I would have either a professional home inspector or a structural engineer look at it, okay? Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Ron wrote in, and he says, I'm the maintenance officer at a county jail. We have concrete floors in the cells that are just polished and sealed, and one cell floor was graffitied with mustard and is now etched with racist propaganda in about a two-foot square area. Ron also says that he plans to tape off this area, strip and reseal just that affected spot. Is it going to work? What do you suggest? Also, once started, I must complete that project as quickly as possible, preferably within 24 hours start to finish, as I need to open the cell back up to the inmates. Wow. Man. This is a job. (laughs) It is. And it's a first for us. Listen, Ron, let's see what we can do to help you out here. First of all, I didn't actually know that mustard could be used as a paint, apparently. There must be like an acid in there or something that like etched it. Well, listen, here's what I think you should do in this case. I wouldn't try to just clean this two square foot area. What I would suggest you do is to pressure wash the whole floor of this cell area. And once it's thoroughly dry, what I would recommend you do is to use an epoxy concrete paint. Once you mix them together, they have a very finite working time. They usually will, you can only work with them for about an hour or so after that. And they cure really quickly, and they're incredibly durable and tough. So you'll put a real good finish on this floor. They come in different colors, grays and tans, and even clear. You can put a second layer of clear to seal it all in if you want, although I really don't think that's necessary. Uh, It will enable you to get this covered up properly you have a real durable finish in this space going forward. So good luck with that project. I hope that we were able to help you get this done quickly and efficiently and get back to business at the county jail. Jeez Louise, Ron, you are doing a pretty serious job over there, and we thank you for it, and good luck with everything, and good luck with the project. Well, after the long summer, is your outside furniture looking a bit dirty or maybe moldy? Well, Leslie has tips for the easiest way to clean away the dirt and grime in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie? Yeah, I mean, now's really a good time to clean that outdoor furniture because chances are you're going to use it a few more weeks. You might have to give it a good brush up just before, but then you're wrapping it up and putting it away for the season. So let's start 
and we'll talk about your plastic furnishings. They can get stained and they can get pretty nasty looking, but what you need to do here is really just make a great cleaning solution yourself, and you probably have everything in the house right now, dish soap, borax, peroxide, and a gallon of water. Mix those together, use a soft nylon brush, and scrub down those furnishings. Now, if you've got metal furniture, it's really just going to be soapy water and a lot of elbow grease here. It's going to take a lot of your strength there to keep cleaning that furniture, but you can also remove any rust and stains with sandpaper or a wire brush, and then go ahead and prime and repaint those spots. Or, heck, repaint it a whole new color. Try something different for the fall and love it again in the spring. You never know. I mean, and this is going to help you avoid any further rusting that could occur over the season. And if you've got wood furniture... Just wash it down with an oil soap like Murphy's Oil Soap and then just let it dry really well. Also, it's a good time to think about anything that needs to be refinished. If you do it now when, you know, spring rolls around, you're going to have this awesome looking furniture and it'll be like a surprise, like you got something new. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show coming up next time on the program. One home improvement that consistently delivers the best return on investment is a new kitchen. But How do you actually get started on planning such a major makeover? We're going to walk you through the step-by-step on the very next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.